0: Welcome back in. Brady Farkas show right here on WDEV, AM and FM and WDEVradio.com. It is a Thursday NFL opening night, but we're still in baseball mode. Joining us now is our ESPN MLB insider, Buster Olney. Buster, how are you?
1: I'm feeling good. I'm a Vikings fan and, you know, they should have a really good offense. Uh, I'm excited about that. I have no illusions, however, that they're going to break this uh, uh, streak. Which began when the uh, franchise went into existence of never having won a Super
0: Bowl. <laughs> well, I
1: expect that they'll continue to torture me in that regard.
0: <laughs> well, you you and me, uh, as a Viking fan and a Mariner fan, we we know something about, about tortured. So, uh, best of luck to you in your football season. Let's talk a little bit. Thank you. Here about the Red Sox. Um, You know, it's frustrating because. They're, they come into today, they're off today, but they're five games back in the wild card race. They're not mathematically eliminated, but for all intents and purposes, they might as well be eliminated. And it's frustrating because we saw Houston get swept over the weekend by the Yankees. We've seen the Rangers free fall here for the last two weeks or so. Heck, my Mariners lost four of six to the Mets and Reds. The Red Sox have had chances to get back into this and they just really haven't been able to sustain anything to do it.
1: No, uh, and I think that this stretch sort of, you know, sort of underscores the fact that generally speaking they're a really average team, right? I mean and uh, you know, they're closer to in the standing to the Cleveland Guardians than they are to the Tampa Bay Rays to lead the wild card race. Uh, and, you know, there's still a long way to go from being in the conversations about being one of the better teams in baseball. And I think that's what's been frustrating for Red Sox fans in recent years is that, you know, yeah, some of the names change and you bring in different guys and the message from the from ownership is that they're committed and yet it doesn't really seem to change. Our friend Peter Gammons tweeted out this morning that if the Yankees, who are now just a game and a half behind the Red Sox, overcome Boston, yeah, you know, potentially by the end of the year, you'd have the Red Sox finishing in last place in the American League for the third time in four years. Yeah. That's kind of stunning.
0: Certainly is Buster. Tom Karen presented a very good question uh, to us last week. And I, I gave my answer. I'll tell you what that is after I asked for yours. But we look at it. Yes. Uh, last year, the Red Sox went 78 and 84 and they finished last. Let's say this year they've got 72 wins. I think they're going to finish with more than the 78 they had a season ago. Let's say they make a six win improvement. Let's say they win 84 games this year. They finish over 500. And let's say they don't finish in last place. For a lot of teams, that would be viewed as a significant improvement from year to year, right? You moved up in the standings. You won six more games. You could see a path towards positive development. Would you consider that to be a success for the Red Sox this season in the way we probably would call it one for other teams? You know,
1: not through the win total. I would not use that as my barometer. I would use the barometer uh, the potential, the hope uh, that you're seeing in the development of Tristan Cass and Jaron Duran and and Bayo. Uh, th- those to me, those are three guys that you looked at as being the most important in the organization. Uh, you know, Connor Wong I think also has had an underrated year in terms of how good he, he, how good he is defensively. But if not for those three guys, I think it would you'd say that they're kind of holding in place. But when you've got three young players making that kind of progress in the way that those guys have this year, yeah, I do think it's going to be looked at generally speaking as a s- successful year. Now, that all said, is it enough uh, to convince, uh, you know, ownership that uh, changes are not needed? I don't know the answer to that.
0: You know, it's interesting you say that because I tend to look at success the same way you do, right? I look at those three and their development. I see that Yoshida has been a success. I think he's pretty good. I think story next year with a full season, like there are certainly reasons for optimism moving forward. But a lot of that is counteracted to me by I don't know what Justin Turner is going to be next year. I don't even know where Justin Turner is going to be next year. I don't know where James Paxton is going to be next year. I don't know that next year is not the year that Kenley Jansen regresses again. So for all this positive movement that, that you just described and that I feel, I also could see it being counteracted by guys who you really counted on this year regressing or not being here. And you're left kind of in the same spot again.
1: It's absolutely a fair point uh, because of the age of Turner and because of the age of Kenley Jansen and, You know, as we move forward now, I think the expectations for, you know, Chris Sale in terms of whatever he can contribute, uh, I I mean, they bottomed out. We just have to be real about that. Um, So it is going to be interesting to sort of see how, you know, the the group around uh, those young players is viewed uh, within the organization. And I would push push back on Yoshida, uh, you know, a little bit in that. I it's very interesting. I mean, he's obviously a good hitter. But as you and I talked about in spring training, one of the reasons why people of the other teams thought that the Red Sox dramatically overpaid him was because of the fact that he's so defensively challenged. And that, you know, I think during the course of this year has been underscored. I think there's a real issue there. And it's not a good thing for them to, to have, especially when you're seeing Rafael Devers with his defensive issues. Um, you know, that to me is going to be the, one of the big questions with Red Sox going forward. You know, can they make this team better defensively? Because this year it's been a huge problem.
0: You know, let's talk about Yoshida and Costas for a second. I'm curious. I would imagine Gunnar Henderson wins rookie of the year, but Yoshida and Costas yeah. will certainly get votes for that. What's more impressive in terms of what these guys have done? Is it Costas being a young player, first full year in the majors and overcoming early struggles and, and kind of responding to that? Or is it Yoshida, even though he's a veteran who's played a lot more baseball, coming over to a new schedule and seeing pitchers he's never seen, pitchers he's never heard of? What's more impressive in terms of what they've done this year?
1: I think Kasas, because he's a young player and he's establishing himself for the first time. Yoshida's had a success to the degree, and I think you remember the story in spring training, and I'm just parroting what I read, and I have not had this conversation with Yoshida myself but he actually mentioned a reporter in spring. He doesn't even think he should be considered for rookie of the year Mm. (laughs) because he's got a lot of experience in baseball. Costas on the other hand, see his development during the course of this year, especially while playing in Boston and let's face it. in in getting a feel for him, uh, it it does feel like that. You know, I remember David Cohn, uh, you know, my colleague on Sunday night baseball, longtime pitcher once saying to me that, you know what, being bright, Sometimes it's not necessarily the best thing in baseball. And that's something that Tristan Casas has to overcome. You know, he's got a lot of thoughts bouncing around his head. And it feels like he's sorted through them and has figured out how to be a productive player. Uh, and that, you know, to me is incredibly impressive, especially when you're talking about a big market like Boston, where you're going to get a lot of negative reinforcements.
0: Buster, I want to get you one more Red Sox question because before I move off to a couple of other generic baseball things. Red Sox lost yesterday to the Rays. three to one was the final, dropped two of three to Tampa after the game i want to I'm, hopefully I can press these buttons right. I want to play you a portion of what Alex Cora said right after the game yesterday to reporters we battled with him you know for whatever he did today. He was out in six, so you know um, we had three shots uh, against their bullpen um, we didn 't do much offensively but uh, and we, we competed today. It was good. Um, I thought Nick was outstanding. You know, he, he pitched with three days rest and went out there and competed. Yovi was outstanding too. You know, um, three innings. He hasn't done that with us. And, you know, they scored three. We just couldn't do much offensively. I don't expect Alex Cora to, to rave and yell about a 3-1 loss, but he was very complimentary even in defeat. and He was very complimentary even in a walk-off defeat the day before. And I'm trying to figure out is this a manager who's staying optimistic because he still thinks or wants to sell the idea that the team is in it, or is this a guy pulling moral victories now because he knows his team is out of it?
1: I think it's closer to the latter, you know. And obviously, I you know Alex worked with him at ESPN, and and maybe I'm wrong, but what I heard in that uh, in his voice there was someone who is, yeah, he understands the mountain that's in front of the Red Sox that they're actually going to win. And I think he, you know, probably is beginning to, to make sure that he uh, generates words that uh, help the players in 2024 and beyond. You know, it's interesting because Aaron Boone, who, as you know, in you know, a lot of conversation about whether or not Aaron Boone's going to be fired at the end of this year, uh, a lot of the Yankee fan base is unhappy with him because they want him to be fire and brimstone and rip players and criticize them. That that those days. You know, for, I mean, you and I remember them. There were managers who would come out, uh, you know, and I'm older than you, so I remember Billy Martin, you know, coming out and they will rip players. Forget it. Those days are gone. You know, the expectation among players is they need to be catered to, uh, to some degree. And so I think with that in mind, um, you know, Alex is trying to to paint a glass half full picture with what's going on with the Red Sox because he's got to manage these guys, presumably, into 2024.
0: We've talked about the Red Sox rookies. We've talked about Gunnar Henderson probably winning rookie of the year. The AL East has a very good crop of young players now moving forward. Another one is in the mix now. We know about Anthony Volpe in New York, but also this guy, Jason Dominguez, we've heard a lot about for the last couple of years. Yankees have won five straight. They're six and a half back in the wild card. It's probably too late for them as well. But Dominguez has three homers in his first five games. He's only 20 years old, Buster.
1: Yeah, and we just had the Yankees on Sunday Night Baseball last weekend against the Houston Astros, and it was amazing, uh, you know, how different the Yankees' energy was compared to, say, early August when, you know, the refrain was that they're old and they're slow, uh, they're kind of dinged up, and, you know, they were headed toward their worst, uh, their, their first losing season since 1992. All of a sudden, you know, you put an Austin Wells, the catcher, in there, you put a Jason Dominguez in there, and a lot of that conversation changes because Jason Dominguez gives the Yankees what exactly what they need in this moment. Besides the energy that comes with fielding a lot of young players, you got a switch hitter for a team that has been way too right-handed in recent years. You have someone who uh, you know runs well, adds athleticism, a center fielder, and you've got someone with power. You know already with home runs of 110 miles per hour or higher in two of his first three home runs in his career, he, he has had an immediate impact. And it is kind of insane to think, you know, with all the, the conversation around the Yankees being who's going to get fired, the fact that they've now drawn within a game and a half of the, of the Red Sox. And uh, look, I don't think they're going to make the playoffs. Uh, but what? They're, you know, six games out of the, the playoff spot. I, I never would have thought that was possible based on the trajectory of the team uh when uh, in the middle of August
0: well it's been made possible in part because the Texas Rangers stink lately wow. they were just swept by the uh by the Houston Astros who had 16 home runs in a three game span against them the Rangers are certainly not done right they're only a half game back here but how worried are you about them
1: oh you'd have to be com- totally worried uh you know they first off uh, you know, it's interesting. You were asking the question about this year and whether it should be considered a success. The Rangers have 76 wins, um, no matter what they finish with this year. And let's say, for argument's sake, that it's 88. It would be a dramatic improvement over last year. And yet, uh, if this collapse continues and they don't make the playoffs, this will haunt them. Because yeah. they had you know, such a great first half. And now, at the end of the year, this group of pitchers that the Rangers put together which is, uh, you know, it it is essentially a reminder that, uh, you know, the best indicator of potential injuries to come are past injuries. The Rangers put together staff with guys like Nathan of all had two Tommy John surgeries, Jacob DeGrom, and Max Scherzer who's had some physical issues and they have utterly collapsed. Uh, You know, the other day, Bruce Bochy, you know, during that Astros series, the cameras caught him in the dugout. He's just shaking his head. Like, they they are an absolute free fall with their pitching right now. You know they rushed uh, you know Evaldi back off the injured list because he told them that he was feeling good. He didn't make it out of the second inning two days ago. They start future Hall of Famer Max Scherzer against uh, Verlander yesterday. He doesn't make it to the fourth inning. It's a complete disaster. Uh, and I you know as someone who's known Bochi a long time, it, it, uh, I feel for him that uh, it looks like it's going to be a year that's going to just hang with him for in, into the off season.
0: Buster, I told you I'd I'd let you out of here on that. Do I have time to ask you one more question? Yep. Okay. So I was listening to Jerry Depoto recently, and I know he was on your podcast. I heard him on another outlet. Uh, He's the the head guy for the Mariners. And he was talking about the way the Mariners were built. And he said when they tore it down, they went college pitching first. Like That's what they built first. They wanted pitching, and they wanted pitching that would get there quickly. And then once they built this base, Then they started going after the younger guys, the high school guys, some of the more long shot guys, some of the guys with high upside. That's all well and good. I think back to the way the Red Sox have been built. They didn't tear it down the way the Mariners did, but we've given high and bloom a lot of credit for, for building up the farm system. But I start to wonder, was the farm system built in the, in the wrong way? Like the Mariners built it and there's these waves of guys that all that that are coming up, you know, year after year. We're just waiting on guys that High and Bloom has gotten, Marcelo Meyer, a high school guy, and Nick York, a high school guy. I don't know if there's one right way to build a baseball team, but if the Red Sox were looking to get good and stay good quickly, taking all these high school guys might not have been the best approach because we're still waiting on them,
1: yeah, there's no doubt about it, you know, which is why I mean there's always been a conversation uh, about whether or not Han you know uh, who came from the Tampa Bay Rays. If he was going to try to institute a system like the Tampa Bay Rays, would there be enough time? Because we've seen with Red Sox ownership, they will fear. Uh, you know, they move on from COFC Epstein. they go to Ben Sherrington. Uh, you know, Ben has, they win a championship, but then uh, Ben wasn't as aggressive, it sounds like, as the Red Sox ownership wanted him to be. So they go to Dave Dombrowski. And then they go from Dave Dombrowski, who spent a lot of money and used a lot of resources and won a championship in 2018, they go to Haim. Well, it does feel like that there's an expiration date in place when you're talking about the frustration of fans. And the question is whether ownership is going to be again off this very, this plan that was a very, very long-term plan.
0: Buster, you're the best. Appreciate it. Best of luck to your Vikings in week one. We'll catch up in seven days.
1: (laughs) Thanks, Brady. I appreciate it.